What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the show. It is January 3rd, time of recording, so happy new year. And we are gonna be talking about New Year's resolutions here. I'm gonna go through some of mine, and we'll talk about kind of how I go about doing that. Um, we're first gonna talk about why some people kind of shit on New Year's resolutions and think that they're useless and kind of talk down to them and what I think about that point of view. Uh, we'll talk about how to set some better New Year's resolutions, right? How to actually do this in a decent way. Um, and then I'll go through kind of what mine are for this year and maybe some of my waffling and word vomit can help you kind of make your New Year's resolution setting more productive. I think that that's a really good way for people to spend their energy instead of kind of shitting on the process altogether. But let's kick that off. And so there are people out there, you'll see rhetoric out there of like, oh, you know, you, nobody sticks to them anyway, bro. Like New Year's resolutions are stupid. And, and people hold that opinion for basically two reasons. One is people don't stick to them. They'll say, oh, New Year's resolutions are dumb because people don't stick to them. And the second reason is that you shouldn't need January 1st. Um, and so the first part, people are like, oh, people don't stick to it. You don't need New Year's resolutions. It's like New Year's resolutions are just goals. Like they're just, it's just a, a moment to set some goals. And so if you say, I got a little bit of a cold here. I'm going to try and keep the sniffling to a minimum. I did not bring a, a, a tissue. I could have I could have blown my nose and then had my man uh, editor edit this out. But all right, okay, I'm going to keep the sniffling to a minimum. So people people say that people don't stick to New Year's resolutions. That's a reason to to the, that they're dumb. It's like, well, they're just goals. And so like, yeah, most people like the ratio of like the amount of goals that are set and the amount of goals that are hit. Yeah, it's low. Like, of course, like we we set a lot of goals. We don't always hit them. But one of the, one of the, like, instead of shitting on goal setting as a practice, how about helping people set better ones? If you're someone out there who's like uh, a coach or, or just whatever, somebody making content on like, oh, New Year's, resolutions, New Year's resolutions are dumb, nobody sticks to them. It's like, how about you help people set better ones? You know, that's like people being like, oh, diet dating doesn't work or like macro counting doesn't work or calorie deficit doesn't work. It's like, that's not really the best place to put your energy. It's like, how about we help people do this in a better way? They'll be more successful that way. Um, so I'm not, I hate that. I hate that. Oh, people don't stick to it. I'm like, yeah, people don't stick to it because people set shitty goals. People are terrible at setting goals. Like that's why, that's why we, that the goal setting process feels like a non-starter. It feels like, oh, it's not that important. First of all, ask any successful person on earth you know, I, the vast majority of them are going to talk about goal setting in a very positive light, like it's been very helpful for them, most of them. And then the second part of like, oh, you shouldn't need January 1, like it's just an excuse to push back your goals or whatever, whatever, like annoying hustle culture, like 22 year olds, you know, business coach mentality you have, whatever. Um, like the clean, clean slate effect or clean start effect or uh, fresh start effect, whatever it's called, like it's real, like it's real. And what I mean by it's real, I mean there is an amount of energy that you can derive from this clean slate mentality. And it's not a sign of weakness that you utilize that energy. Uh, listen, I coach hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and thousands of people over the last decade. And some of them have been like, you know, I've had a call on a Friday, right? We have, a, let's say I have an onboarding call with a new client on a Friday. And some of them have decided, you know what? I'll start all of this on Monday. And some of them have said, I'm going to start right now. Right when we get off this call, I'm going to start tracking my food. I'm going to start sending you whatever I need to send you, all this stuff. There's no correlation 
between the people who started on Monday and having worse success and the people who started on Friday having more success. Utilizing that fresh start effect, whether it's starting on a Monday or when you get back from vacation or after this wedding or, you know, uh, I, I, to me has not correlated with success or failure. There's people who have started immediately when they get off the call with me and there's people that started a week and a half later when they came back from vacation and that to me, there's no correlation between who has found more success. Like what, what sort of mentality represents the kind of person who's going to see more success. I haven't seen it. Um, so you, here's my stance. I'll, I'll shut up and we'll get to how to set better goals. But set goal setting can be such an awesome thing that it is an end that is justifiable by any means. And if the means is by channeling a new year, new me, January 1st, clean state, fresh, clean slate, fresh start energy, if that's the means, if that's what gets you to actually pull out a pen and paper, whatever, laptop, keyboard, whatever, and actually sit down and do kind of some of the stuff we're gonna talk about now, then that is an end justifiable by any means. What If it took January 1st, for you to get motivated to pull that pad of paper out and actually start thinking about like reflecting on your year, looking forward to this year, kind of assessing who you are as a person, looking at different aspects of your life. Like, yeah, that's awesome. Like, and 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 I don't care if that took you January 1st to do that. Uh, you know, could you know, someone's like, well, yeah, but you could have you could have started December 16th and you would have had a head start on it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Totally. And if that feels right, if you're the kind of person who's like, yeah, logically, it doesn't make sense for me to wait another month. Uh, why can't I just start on December 1st? Yeah, hell yeah, you should absolutely do it. It is factual that if you start on December 1st, you will have a 30-day head start. So starting sooner is better, totally. But if you are in a position where you can channel that, you know, new year, new me, clean slate, fresh start energy, and it helps give you that push to get started on something that ultimately ends up being a positive experience in your life. It's just a great idea. I, I can't stand people who shit on it. People who do that, I think you had would have better a better effect on the world by helping people set better goals and how to how to do that in a way that actually will lead to something productive. Cool. So how to set some better goals. There were there's so many things out there and I read a bunch of articles trying to pull some stuff that I really liked that I found, yeah, that really I first, the funny part is I first wrote out my resolutions. I thought that that was the only thing I was going to do in this podcast. And I was like, don't be an idiot. Like, of course, like you should be helping people set better resolutions. So I wrote mine out and then I read some of these articles and I was like, oh, that's interesting. Like, and so I went back through mine and I was like, oh, did I do any of that? Um, and so we'll talk about that in a second. But the first one I really liked, I pulled, I pulled uh, like seven different pieces of advice here. We'll kind of go through them. I won't take too long. Um, is align challenge and skill. And there's there's a really cool graphic that comes with this piece of advice called align challenge and skill. Um, not align like a line, align like A-L-I-G-N. Like align your, align uh, the, the how challenging the goal is with how skillful, skillful you are in that thing. And I, it kind of reminds me of something I, I would say, which is like find the right balance between ambitious and attainable. Right, you want to find that nice balance between, and so, so align challenge and skills. Essentially, like if you're not very skillful in something, don't pick something super challenging. Right, find that right balance of of where you're at with something. And so for me, I'll give an example. Uh, one of mine will be to um, you know speak only Dutch with my dad, and and that to me is really a nice match because that's kind of meets me right where I'm at. It's challenging for me because that will 
that's going to be challenging. It's, uh, I will want to facilitate faster conversation, which I can probably do in English, but but I truthfully, I, I can probably do it in Dutch. And so I, I should, if I, that's something I want to get better at in the new year. And so you want to find that right balance of, of how ambitious your goal is, how challenging it is for where you are with that thing right now. And so if you're like, okay, I want to lose weight or I want to get started in the gym, you know, don't be, you know, if you've never stepped foot in the gym, don't be like, I want to deadlift four times my body weight this year. It's like, well, let's align how challenging the goal is with how skillful you are in that thing right now. The second is scaffold towards bigger goals. I think that this is something we all kind of can nod along with if you're, and this is something I had to do multiple times with my goals. Um, scaffold towards bigger goals. So if you're if you're setting sitting down for some New Year's resolutions and you you write something and it, it's a really big goal, you want to build the scaffolding underneath it. And so ask yourself some questions. Start to build some process goals underneath it. Some stuff that you can actually do on a monthly, weekly, daily basis to actually get that thing done. I think a lot of people can nod along with that. You know, I'm not a big goal setter. Um, like I don't. I don't think or dream big. I, I just, that's not like, I've never been like, I want to have 10,000 people in my group, you know, and two, a million followers on social media and make a million dollars a year. Like I've never been someone who like gets off on this like crazy big goal setting. And and maybe there that's to my detriment in some way, like business-wise potentially, I, I'm not sure. It just never feels right. But the, even the goals that I did set for myself, I had to kind of check myself and I'm like, okay, but like, what are you going to do about that? How are you actually going to do that? And then how are you going to do that? And then how are you going to do that? And so we'll kind of get to how that plays out. Uh, the next was just reading a meta-analysis about goal setting, which essentially said that uh, process goals do the best, process goals do better than performance goals, and performance goals do better than outcome goals. Um, essentially saying, yeah, instead of saying, uh, I want to make a million dollars, that would be an outcome goal. And then the performance goal would be like, I want to sell 50 cars. And then the process goal would be like, I want to improve my my sales communication, whatever. I want to go to a class once a week to work on that, right? That would be that process goal, like exactly how you're going to do that. And actually that that um, working backwards in that way can be quite helpful. And that, that kind of goes back to scaffolding towards bigger goals. There were, you know, I have a goal of how many group members I want to have by the end of the year. But then it's like, okay, well, how do you do that? right? What else do you need to make that happen? And then what else do you need to make that happen? And then what do you need to be doing on a daily, weekly basis to make that happen? That's the actual goal you should be focusing on most. Uh, Next was make your goal authentic. And so I'll tell you now that when I was making my resolutions and I had to go back through them, I asked myself two questions. The first was, why do you care? The second was, what are you actually going to do to make that happen? And the why do you care part actually, um, really mattered to me. The answers to that question really made this a a deeper process. Um, because as you'll see, there were some, there were some moments where like, I was like, yeah, but why do I care about that? Because you make your goal authentic. Like what, what I take home from that is make your goals actually matter to you, not something that you feel has been projected upon you. Um, and, and I went through my goals and there were moments where I was like, why do I care about this? I was like, I was like, is this something that I truly deeply in my heart of hearts really want? Or is this something that I feel I should be doing? Um, and so that, that's a really underrated one for me because it really chalked off a couple of them, maybe crossed them out. And then it made others kind of double down and, and it helped clarify why I want this thing, which can be really important for motivation. I know a lot of people also kind of shit on the side. You should know your why. It's like, 
you absolutely should know your why. If I, you know, you should understand on a deep, deep level like why you're doing something. So, yeah. Um, the next one is don't let the goals weigh you down. This is one that I've talked about quite a bit on the podcast, uh, which is uh, goals can be great, but if the goals are creating an environment where you're now less motivated to do it because of the addition of external pressure, then it's a net negative. You know, I, I, a lot of people like are like, I want to do my first pull-up or I want to deadlift this many pounds or I want to do this many push-ups. And that goal can be awesome if it makes the process more fun. Those goals can be awful if they make the process more anxiety driving and more feeling of like this big burden and consequence. I'll tell you right now, I have goals with my endurance exercise in this new year where I want to run this or I want to do that. But one, I've aligned my challenge and skill and I've admitted with where I am. Uh, I've admitted to myself where I'm at and I've made sure that the goals were really achievable and attainable. Um, but I know that if I make them too too uh, ambitious, that they'll weigh me down, um, that at some point it's gonna make the process less fun for me. So I really, I've really enjoyed setting some goals with my endurance exercise, whether that's just doing a race or completing in a certain time or hitting this many workouts per week, per week or per month or per year or whatever. Um, but I have seen a lot of this goals weighing people down thing where what they'd be better off doing is just focusing on checking the box of getting the workouts in and not worrying about, every, like every single day they test their chin up. That's not, a, first of all, it's a bad idea for getting your first chin up is to just try every day to do a chin up. That's not the best way to do that. But it's also like makes the, it's like makes the process less fun because you're always hyper fixated on whether or not you can, you've, you've achieved your goal yet instead of zooming out, focusing on process goals, the day-to-day -day stuff, the stuff that's actually gonna ultimately let you get there. So cool. The next one is consistency over perfection, which is pretty self-explanatory. Um, make your goal uh, something that doesn't require perfection, that you acknowledge, you know, doing this consistently over time is probably what's going to lead to the most fruitful outcome instead of, you know, needing to hit something every single time or it's a failure. Um, and the last one is ask yourself, I guess this was a, a, a bridge into the next one, was like, ask yourself, what does that mean? Why do you care? How do you get that? And those were some things I really went through with my resolution. So we'll start talking about that. I broke it up into some categories of business, kind of family, and then hobbies and exercise. Um, and so for business, I wrote down two things to start. I wrote down, get a thousand group members and start one new project. Like make one iteration to your business that that's gonna make you have fun, right? Just And for me, like there is no playbook, right? I mean, I'm not, I don't even, I hate the word entrepreneur. I think it's just been so like wrecked by hustle culture, but 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 technically I am my own business and technically nobody's telling me what to do. And um, this ability to stay, stay both doing things I enjoy and, and, you know, remain at the top of, you know, at the top of my field. Wow, that's a conceited statement. But I just mean remain in a place that I'm happy with, whatever. It requires, you know, the initiative to take a step back and say, hey, what am I doing? And what am I gonna be doing in the next two years? And how can I iterate? And how can I stay enjoying what I'm doing? And how can I update my processes? And how can I go with the times? You know, it's something that people are doing now that's all the rage that people want. Like, can I, can I, can I get a bite of that, you know? Um, and so, where was I going with that? Uh, oh, starting one new project. So, I, you know, over the years, I've, I've 
iterated, right? At first it was a lot of one-on-one coaching and I used to do it in a different way. And then I changed the way I did it. And then I took on less clients and focused more on social media. And then I uh, started the group and then I started a second group. Um, and then we had, went to three days a week training, you know, with a training option. Like something just needs to keep evolving. And I know that I have to, I have to make that happen. Right. So those were my two goals, thousand group members and start one new project or iteration of what I'm doing that's geared towards continuing to really enjoy what I'm doing, not necessarily geared towards making a certain amount of money or anything. And then I kind of looked at those two goals and I was like, well, why do you care? What does that mean? And how do you actually get that? And so for the thousand group members, um, you know, why do I really care about that? Like, do I need more money? Like, am I at a position where I'm feeling like financially where I, I need to make more money? And that, I gotta tell you, that wasn't really where I was motivated from. Um, I think it it was, I wrote it down. So what really is motivating me is figuring out what my long-term work-life balance is gonna be when the baby gets here and when I wanna be a dad and when I wanna be present. And I think that that's where I think I see the group as, oh, first of all, I love my one-on-one clients. I will never stop one-on-one coaching. I love the intimacy and the uh, the depth that we can go to in one-on-one coaching. And that's actually, ironically, what one of my new projects will be. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, but I know that maybe shifting just a little bit of the where I spend my time to the group, just a little bit more, uh, maybe taking on less one-on-one clients in the future, just having a smaller roster so I can free up time for my my group, I think will ultimately give me a work-life balance that lets me be really, really present for my daughter, any future children, whatever, um, and lets me be dad and lets me be around and lets me you know have that work-life balance that lets me be present in the way I want to. And so that was really, I was like, why do you care about growing the group so much? Is it egotistical? Is it financial? And I'd be lying if it wasn't part egotistical. Like if I just wasn't, if I didn't get some dopamine from growing for growing's sake, I do. I think we all do. Progress is a dopamine giving thing. That was, that was not articulate, but you guys get the point. Um, and so, okay, so how, a thousand group members, how how am I doing that? Um, the the big the big thing for me is twofold. One is is grow my social media, and two is email marketing. So what does so so now we have a thousand group members, and underneath that we have email marketing and social. Grow my email, uh, use email marketing more, and grow my social media. Okay, great. What about that? How do I make those happen? Right, we needed to. I needed to continue to go deeper. And so for email marketing, it's stay consistent with my newsletter. Always post a a little drip campaign when my new cycle of programming starts um, and do one giveaway every six weeks to grow my email list. You know, I did the programming cheat sheet. I did the top 10 glute exercises and those have really helped me grow my email list. And I know some people don't love email marketing. Personally, I don't love doing email marketing. And so what what's happened is I've started to do it in a way that I actually enjoy. I love the newsletter. I haven't done it this week. We've been super busy with um, just holidays and stuff, but I will be get back to it this Monday. Um, and so I really enjoy doing, I love the giveaways. I think they're super valuable. Some people don't love the idea of like, you got to comment on my post. It's like, well, I'm giving you something super valuable. Like all it costs you is a comment. Like it's like, I'm giving you something really good. So as long as I make those giveaways really high quality and I make my newsletter valuable, then I do this email marketing thing in a way that feels really good to me, that feels right, that feels valuable. It feels like a fair trade. I get your email, you get a bunch of actually valuable stuff from me. Um, And then the second one was grow my social media um, and 
I wrote down three things. Number one is focus on quality over quantity. Stop stressing over posting every day if your posts aren't good. And that doesn't mean... Um, that doesn't mean that you have to have such a high threshold for your post that everything has to be perfect. That's not what I mean. What I do mean is that like if I if if I've had if having if I'm having a really busy day and I haven't had time to really make a pretty decent piece of content, that I don't need to stress that I just need to sit down for 10 minutes and write out some shit. Um, you know, in those moments, maybe something like reposting something old um or a quick witty tweet or something will be good. But don't, you know, don't worry about spending hours on a video. In the last year, it's funny, the last couple of years, it's been quantity over quality. But Instagram sucks these days and organic reach is awful and nobody sees my posts and it's more competitive than ever. And these are all facts. Um, you know, I make a post that 10,000 people see and like 100 new follow, 100 non-followers see it and I gain one follower. Um, so I don't want to turn this into social media event sesh because my last point is, don't give up even when shit gets hard. You need social media. I need social media. And so I can piss and moan and cry about how bad Instagram is, or I can say I can do two productive things. One is quality over quantity. Don't worry about spending hours on a post to make it better. And even if it doesn't do well, you got to stick with that this year. Hey, quality, you guys have seen my video quality has gone up. The editing has gone up. I've taken YouTube lessons. Uh, I've hired some help with this. Um, and then the other one was uh, hiring uh, was hiring help to help me stay organized and strategize. And I have hired my friend Rico. If you don't follow Rico, he's just an awesome social media person, um, social media coach. You know, does, this is what he does for work, helps people with social media. Shout out to Rico, been super helpful, um, helping me like just make posts in a way that I can make sure that they're valuable, but also play the game a little bit, to be fair. Uh, and it's just been a good experience so far. And so my three for that was quality over quantity, hire some help, don't give up even when shit gets hard. Uh, and so those would be my social media ones. Um, and and then the second thing for business was start one new project or iteration. And for me, that's gonna be some hybrid coaching. And, and I don't, you know, when you give something a name, it always cringes me out a little bit because it always makes something sound super fancy that isn't fancy. What I just mean is, Take on one-on-one clients in the new year that are passionate about running and lifting together uh, and doing that not in a super neurotic way. I'm not saying you have to be some like triathlete or some shit. Um, just somebody who's like, hey, I'd like to do the, both of these in my life and I'd like to take them both a, a tiny bit more seriously such that I'm gonna hire a coach who wants to do this. So taking on clients who want to run and lift together and who want to learn about that, how to do it, how to get better at both of them simultaneously, all that stuff. For the last six to eight months, I've been taking, I've been a mentor of one of the greats in this field, Alex Viata, and it's just been super duper fun to learn from him. Uh, and no, I, you know, I've done one race. I'm not like claiming to be, um, you know, on the Alex's level or anything close to that, but man, has he done a really good job getting me to a point where I, I actually feel pretty darn confident with some of this stuff um, and feel really excited about continuing to learn more and help people. And so from purely enjoyment standpoint, I know that's gonna be um, something I really enjoy. And so the question is, how do I do that? The two things I wrote down were be more selective with my one-on-one. That doesn't mean I'm only gonna take clients who wanna do this, uh, but but certainly some. And then the other was, hey, I wrote, hey, just jump in. Because there are some new things that come with that. I'm going to change a little bit about how I organize my my coaching business. 
for those clients. And I have to learn a new program called Training Peaks, which I'm been using for the last six to eight months, but I have not been coaching people on a grand scale using it. So I'm learning it now with some clients and, and feel more and more confident. But I know myself, I need to just jump in. I need to just jump in. That's what I did with online coaching, you know, ten, whatever it was, 10 years ago or eight years ago, five years ago, whatever. Five years ago? Five years ago. Um, and I and I figured it out and I know I kind of need to just jump in. Cool. And And the reason that I wanted to do all this, I was like, why do you care about all this stuff? And it was because I think that it will allow me to have a work-life balance and be with my family more. I'm not necessarily obsessed over making more money than I am right now. I'm more obsessed with, can I make this, can I continue to make a living and work less so I can be with my family more? um, Or can I continue to work the amount I am, but enjoy it, right? And continue to enjoy it. First of all, I love what I do. I'm I'm loving what I'm currently doing. But I do know that um, iterating things every couple of years is even just slightly helps me stay continuing to to really enjoy it. Awesome. So what are some family goals? Um, there's really only one, and it was set myself up with a schedule where I can do my work, but also be mega effing present for my daughter and hang out with her a ton. Um, I've been uh, messaging with Jordan Syatt back and forth for the last like year, I feel like, as we uh, just have gone in through this pregnancy and watched Jordan and his just absolutely adorable daughter just have a ton of fun and Um, Jordan, obviously, and Jordan and I obviously have a similar like business structure. We both work online. We both work from home, both do most of our work from a laptop on a couch somewhere. Um, and so we just have had a ton of chats around what that's like, you know, work-life balance when nobody's forcing you to get up and you have the opportunity to hang out with your daughter all day and do stuff with her and, you know, be dad and take care of her or whatever. Like, how do you find that work-life balance? How do you create a schedule that allows you to fulfill yourself professionally, but also be dad. And so that's really where my goals are. And so what are the specific things that I need to do to make that happen? One is everything I just said from a business perspective is continue to work on the things I know will either give me some time back or continue to give me enjoyment. Um, and the second was look into hiring help. We live in North Carolina. Our family live up north in in New York, New Jersey. So we don't really have grandma and grandpa to come over and watch a baby or anything like that. And we are going to need some help. Um, we talked, I talked about Jordan, talked about that with Jordan recently as well. It's like, I'm going to need a certain amount of hours during the day on certain days. Jenna is starting full-time work as well, which we're, we're super happy about, you know, everything is good there, but yeah, we're going to need some help because, you know, as much as I want to be home and be present, I also need to do what I need to do to whatever, support the family and all that stuff. Um, so hire some help. And that's something that in January, probably this weekend, I'm going to start looking into. It's like what, I don't even know what that process looks like, who you hire, what they do in terms of time and and all of that stuff. I need to learn. That's something that I decided I'm going to do this weekend. Cool. And then, excuse me, last one is hobbies and exercise. Um, And the first thing I I was thinking about is like, all right, what, what do you really care about here? Um, And for me, it's, it's a lot of like mental health and social structure sort of stuff. Where like, I I was like, what are your hobbies? You know, like what even are your hobbies? Like in some ways, exercise is a hobby for me. You know, that's something I do outside of my day-to-day work that that it kind of is my work, but it's something I really enjoy, good for mental health. I'm a big believer in hobbies. I'm a big believer, what I mean, what the fuck does that mean? I'm a big believer in every person having stuff that they care about that is separate from their work and separate from their partner. Now you can have hobbies that you enjoy with your partner for sure. Um, 
for sure. But I, I don't know. I'm a big believer in, even in a partnership, even though Jen is my best friend and my wife and my the mother of my children and person I want to spend a ton of time with, I still am a firm believer in having something that's yours, um, that, that, that you can do alone, um, that, that you could do alone if you wanted to. So <clears throat> for me, something that falls into that category is getting back on a soccer team. You know, first of all, that also falls into what I could do with Jenna. Jenna and I played in some co-ed leagues. Jenna's amazing at soccer. We have a ton of fun on co-ed. Frankly, whenever we join co-ed, like we do really well because she's really good. And you know what? We used to play on co-ed leagues where the girls' goals would count as two, which kind of fucked up. Not really like a big, huge fan of that, but like we had a ton of fun with that because Jenna's mad good. Um, and so get on, I wrote, get back on a soccer team. We need some mother effing friends. And I was just saying that because like, you know, back in Texas, we, uh, the minute we got there, I joined five soccer teams. Uh, Jenna joined one, we joined a co-ed, and all of a sudden we had a circle of people that we could hang out with, that just like, whatever, man, social interaction. And since we moved to North Carolina, we, we really haven't made that same effort, mostly because the day we got here is the day we realized Jenna was pregnant, and she had a super rough first trimester, and we just like didn't, didn't feel inclined to go out of our way to go meet people and go try and there's a million soccer leagues around here. We looked it up before we got here, but we just, we just didn't, um, you know, we were just focused on the pregnancy and focused on the baby. And, and she was, she was having a really rough go. We were in the ER like five times in the first, like, I don't know, four weeks that we thought that we knew she was pregnant. And so I just feel like we didn't, we didn't do as much to put roots down in the early stages. Now, obviously with the baby and stuff, it's going to be hard to like, my free time's only going down, not going up. But I think it's still something I want to push myself to do. And so what I said is there's a spring league that starts in March. I'm going to sign up for a men's league over 30. Got to play with the old dudes. Um, and that's something I know is really, really good for me. And, um, you know, maybe I can, maybe I'm a little bit more fit than I've used to cardiovascularly. And that'll be nice to, to just feel. Um, second was speech, speak Dutch exclusively with my family. So we can talk shit about people behind their back. No, um, but, but that is, that is, I got to tell you, I, I said to Jenna, I was like, Jenna, you know, you really, I mean, I'd pay any amount of money for you to know Dutch because there's just so many opportunities. Like me and Jenna have such a, un, whatever, have that thing where like, if we're in public, there's just like so much we want to say to each other. Uh, and I was like, if you speak, like no one speaks Dutch. It's like, you can't really do that with like Spanish or something. It's like people know enough Spanish just in America that you can't like, you can't really say anything, you know? Um, but like, if you know Dutch or like some other like obscure language that really nobody speaks, um, it's a huge benefit. And my, my mom learned Dutch. My mom's not from the Netherlands, but she learned, they lived there for like 10 years um, together. And my mom learned Dutch. And so that was always just funny, like as a family, just whatever. It's nice to have your own thing, I guess, whatever. Um, so what are my goals for, like, how do I make that happen? Keep taking my weekly lessons. I've been taking weekly tutors with a company called Preply. I love it. Absolutely love it. Shout out to my man, Casper. Um, my tutor, great tutor, super fun. Uh, and then the second thing was, again, speak exclusively with my family. Uh, and then I've always talked about booking a trip with my dad and brother, just like a little boys trip to a Dutch speaking country, whether that's you know, going to like Curacao or going to the Netherlands and, and, and seeing, you know, my, my aunt and, and some of my dad's friends, that seems more likely, but you know, even if we went to like Curacao and just enjoyed a more tropical Dutch speaking place as well, I'd probably rather go to the Netherlands and do a little Euro tripping. But, um, doing that has always been something I was like, oh, if I do that, would that motivate me to really be able to speak Dutch? And the thing about Dutch people is the minute they know that you're like, like, they're like, 
they speak such good English there um, that the minute they hear that you're not like a native speaker, and, and my accent is solid for Dutch. My, my accent is solid. I grew up hearing it. I grew up speaking it, um, not fluently, but enough that like I can speak it in a way that you don't immediately know I'm not a native speaker. But the minute you like slip up and you're like, you say something just maybe slightly incorrectly, they switch to English because they want to be respectful. They're like, oh, you don't really speak Dutch. Let's speak English. And so I, my dad was like, you're, you're going to have to be, you have to be pretty good uh, to to fool people long enough to like really practice your Dutch. And so that is always just something in the back of my mind. That would be fun. Uh, and then from an exercise perspective, the only goals, I don't really have any goals because once the baby gets here, my goal is to put everything on maintenance and just train a you know probably twice a week with weights and twice a week with cardio whenever I can fit it in and I and that's even a bar that if it has to get lower to make room for dad life I'm okay with that I don't I don't care I'm not going to care about anything yeah I'm going to care about my mental health and my physical health for sure but for a short ish while in the scheme of things I don't mind turning those knobs down a little um excuse me yeah so my goals are I'm going to do a 5k in the end of March um and the reason is that I did this half marathon and it was really cool, but I want to do a shorter race because I want to learn more about what, what changes, what changes when you take somebody who can run a 5k, but they want to run faster, right? I learned a lot about how to take somebody who's never run a half marathon and get them to be able to run a half marathon because that was me. And so I learned the most about that exact process. Um, and I've learned about, you know, running marathon and programming for ultras and programming for 5Ks and a, mar- and a mile run, but like, I've never done that. And so I, I will learn better by doing it. So I'm going to run a 5K and then I'm going to put everything on maintenance. Um, but I will keep an eye out. I will keep an eye out on what's next because I do have the racing bug. I don't love doing cardio at all. I don't like it at all. But, but um, it's, it's, I really have enjoyed sucking a little bit less and to be honest with you, I have been lifting for the past five years and making no progress. What I mean by that is like, I have enough muscle now, which is not to say I'm super jacked. I'm not. I, I have I have enough muscle now where he, here's factually what the truth is. That's redundant. Um, is that in order for me to get any bigger than I am right now, build more muscle, it requires doing something I don't feel like doing. Right, that's it. That's just like what push is coming to shove here. Um, in order for me to build more muscle than I have right now, I need to go into a surplus and I need to really focus on lifting and I need to devote a little bit more time to it. And those are that circumstance just isn't something I want to do. But with endurance exercise, I'm still enough of a newbie where I can expect to get markedly better over the next three to five years. Um, and I want to get markedly better. I, I don't need to be. I'm not obsessed with being the best of the best of the best. I don't really give a shit about that at all. I just know that I'm. It's so new to me that there's an opportunity to get notably better, and that return on my investment is very motivating. To see myself get better is motivating, and with lifting, that's not happening right now. It hasn't been happening for years because I haven't been willing to do what I have to do to get there. I haven't been willing to go into a surplus. I don't want to do that, and I haven't been willing to train more than like, man, I'm training like 100 minutes a week right now on on my hypertrophy stuff. I don't really feel like doing more than that right now. So it's not like I can't get larger. Of course I can. Um, I can build more muscle for sure. I just don't want to do the things. And with with endurance exercise, there's still a lot of meat on that bone because I'm brand new to it. Um, and so that's been something I've been really enjoying. Cool. So those are my New Year's resolutions. Um, get a thousand group members. Start one new project, which is my hybrid coaching. Um Push hard on social media. I guess that goes back to growing the group. 
um, set up my schedule so I can be present and I have a good work-life balance such that I can be present and be dad, um, but still fulfill myself with my work, get back on a soccer team, speak Dutch exclusively with my family and do a 5K and then put everything on maintenance. Uh, those are my New Year's resolutions. And and to be honest with you, like I, I really feel good about those resolutions. I really feel like they meet a lot of the criteria just based on like process goals, scaffolding big goals, you know, aligning challenge and skill, making sure they're authentic and they mean something to you. Um, and I really, I really tried to sit with that last one of like, what, 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 what really means something to me? Because going from right now, there's like 760 people in the group and getting a thousand people like that number doesn't mean anything to me. I don't, I want, I want really people to think about the authentic, the authenticity part of this all. Like that, that number doesn't mean anything to me. I don't care about that number. Um, but it represents something I do want, which is like maybe the potential to open up some some time in my life to be dad, right? And maybe that route of growing the group will afford me some time back elsewhere that I can spend on something else that I really like. And so going through your list and being like, why do I really care about this? What's really important about this? Okay, cool. All right. Yeah, that does really matter. Okay, let me work backwards, build some scaffolding, build some process goals. So, all right, I'll, I'll stop. I'll get off the wagon here. You guys get the point. Um, Cool. I'm interested in what you guys have. I, you know, I talk about this with some clients. You know, I'm, I think that if you're going to set New Year's resolutions, if you're going to do it, take it seriously. Don't make it a throwaway thing. And if you look at your goals, at, you know, call yourself on your bullshit. Like, is this some bullshit goal? Like, I looked at the thousand group members. I'm like, is that a bullshit goal? Like, do you actually care about that? And if you do, why do you care? And how are you going to get that? And so I would, I would do that because I'd, I, I would hate to see people um, just kind of use this as a throwaway, right? I don't want it to be a throwaway thing. You can set resolutions that can be helpful. Um, for sure, for sure. I guess there's a, now that I'm on the end of this podcast kind of waffling around, there are probably some, some personal ones as far as like who I am as a person. Uh, and if I'm talking off the top of my head here, it would be to continue to going to therapy. I've been, I went to therapy every single week in 2023 and God, was it helpful. I mean, incredibly helpful. Just, can't speak highly enough of of being somebody who used to think therapy was bullshit and then going to therapy for the last, oh, I've been going to therapy for the last two years, maybe, yeah. Since we moved to Texas, I've been going to therapy every week, so two years, um, every single week. It's been unbelievable for my mental health, unbelievable. Um, continuing, yeah, there's some other ones. Jenna, Jenna has been a good influence on me on giving back to charity and like during the Christmas times, that that's like Jenna's, Jen, oh man, she's such a good person. She's such a better person than me. It's not even funny. Jenna's like, it's hol- it's the holiday season and Jenna like will like come up with like five different ways for us to really give back to people in need and like come to me with like a proposal of like, hey, here's what I think we should do. Here are some good things that we can. And I'm like, yeah, I just wouldn't have the initiative to go and figure all this out. And so God, just, she's good peeps. Uh, so continuing to do that. And uh, yeah, we're not gonna go through the whole therapy session here of like who I am as a person. Um, but I think that might be worthwhile. Um, but I'll probably save that for a therapy sesh here. But yeah, there are certainly some things that are coming to mind now as to who I want to be as a person and how I can improve on that. Um, but yeah, not not for today. All right, uh, I will see you guys in the next episode. See you. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Where Optimal Meets Practical. If you liked the episode, it would mean the world to me if you posted a screenshot to your social media or left a five-star review on iTunes. That stuff really helps. If you ever want to get in touch with me, just shoot me a DM on Instagram at Jordan Lips Fitness. I'm always around to chat. Thanks, guys. Have a good one.